Well, this morning is uh, a really fun morning uh, for me because we have a, I don't even know if we can call him a guest speaker. Can we call you a guest speaker, Dwayne? Yeah, we can call you a guest speaker. All right. Uh, I'm trying to get him back in the regular rotation, but we'll see how that works out. Um, Really glad that Dwayne and Sherry are here worshiping with us this morning. Yes. For those of you who are newer to Hope, uh, Dwayne and Sherry came in 2000 and zero, 2000 and zero, and for 15 years we're here at Hope. In fact, Dwayne and I were talking, and and you just learned that it was exactly three years ago on September 30th. So three years to the day was the last time that Dwayne preached here. So. Uh, didn't even realize that when we worked this out, but um, probably someone else did. So I'm really glad, really glad to welcome uh, Dwayne Cross. Will you guys give him a warm help, hope welcome? Hey. Oh, it's good to see you all. Now, we have kids from the South, so Heidi, we can say that. It's good to see all y'all. Uh, in fact, we spent the first uh, three falls after I retired in Georgia watching my grandson play football, so that was kind of cool. But uh, it's great to see you all. I don't know everyone, which is a blessing to me that uh, there's many people here that weren't here when I was here, uh, so that's, that's exciting. I will say this one disclaimer. Uh, when I got here, um, I, I'm an enthusiastic greeter, so I tend to hug people. Well, there's a couple of poor women in here, I don't know where you are, that I just hugged them and I have no idea who they were. And they didn't know, and they didn't know who I was either, so I apologize in advance. That's, I got over my skis a little bit and I didn't mean to do that. So uh, I bring you greetings from a couple of people. I just talked to uh, Brandon Hovey two nights ago and we had a wonderful conversation. As you know, most of you, uh, Brandon's been out of the ministry for <clears throat> two years now and getting in a position with the covenant where he can re-enter the covenant ministry. Uh, he was the associate pastor here from 2011 to 2015. Also greetings from David Hillis. Uh, David is the lead pastor at Grace Covenant Church in Tucson. And uh, David was our associate from 2004 to 2011. And he's been there since for the last seven years at, uh, in Tucson. So greetings from both of those guys. Uh, they love you, and they send their best to you, and I wanted to <clears throat> share that with you. So um, we've been busy since we've been gone. I am absolutely terrible at retirement. I mean, it's like I'm the worst. And uh, so uh, I, I started uh, in 2016 a nine-month uh, transition pastor job at Genesis up in northern Phoenix. Um, that's uh, Covenant Church up there that um, is very near and dear to our hearts. And so I was there for nine months uh, as uh, their pastor. <clears throat> and when the new pastor came, the new pastor, Ryan Lunsford, who was the worship pastor here 2002 to 2004 as we moved into this new building. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Ryan's over there. Brandon's in Sacramento. David's uh, in uh, Tucson. Anyway, uh, that's really, that was really a blessing. Now, also during the fall of 2016, Sherry and I went to Europe. We went to Europe because of you. And we've said thank you to many of you individually, but I want to say thank you to you as a group. Uh, the church for our retirement gift, I should retire more often. Uh, <laughs> they gave us a trip to Europe. And it was amazing. And it was great. 
Um, so uh, thank you, thank you. That was a lifetime uh, dream, and uh, we got to enjoy that. So then after that, um, uh, last summer I did a transition, not a transition job, but a, uh, I filled in for David Hillis when he was on sabbatical, uh, June, July, August of this year, and just finished there, so that was fun. And in addition to that, I've been working for the conference um, under Pat Stark, uh, doing some church growth stuff. Uh, it's called a Veritas Seminar. I go to different churches uh, that uh, want some help, need some help, and go and try and help identify some pathways back to being a healthy missional church. So I've been doing that. I've enjoyed that very much because I can go, I can yell at them, you know, preach at them, and then leave. So that's really awesome, you know. Uh, so uh, that was good. So we've been, we've been very busy and we're very, very uh, blessed to be here. We still live in Sun Lakes. We're still, um, we go to the bridge, uh, Kent's church over in Gilbert, and uh, uh, we just love being here today. So thank you for greeting us and, enjoy, and inviting us. I want to thank Doug for inviting me too. He's been inviting me for about a year to come. I said, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. So finally, three years to the day, uh, I think it's, it's time to be here. So, uh, so uh, Doug and Heidi Glenn, uh, earmuffs, uh, Doug, uh, for you. So uh, I was asked by the conference two and a half years ago, uh, uh, Doug was wanting to transition into the covenant. Uh, he recognized that uh, both theologically and DNA-wise, he was a covenant pastor, and so it was my job to kind of utz him through the process of, 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 of uh, licensing and ultimately, um, ultimately ordination, transferring his ordination, etc. So I've been involved in Doug's life now for the last two and a half years. Even before he was here, um, I encouraged him to check out all the covenant churches in the area he did, and when he came here... They kind of, he and Heidi kind of landed here and was, were worshiping here. And that's when Paul invited him and you invited him to become the, associ the interim uh, associate pastor. And you know the rest of that. So uh, he was here, of course, uh, carrying the load when Paul was very sick. And when uh, Paul died, then he became the interim lead pastor. And I know now you're going through the process of discerning uh, whether or not Doug or someone else will be your permanent lead pastor. And I just want you to know that we are... <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know that Sherry and I are praying for this process and uh, believing that God is going to lead you directly uh, how uh, he wants you to, to be. So thank you uh, for uh, being a part of our lives. Uh, Sherry and I pray for you every day. We pray for this church. <clears throat> we have walked through with many of you through difficult circumstances. Uh, I got to know Paul uh, Thompson really well and he was a wonderful man, and it just broke our hearts uh, when he passed away. And uh, let, let me say this about, about Doug. Again, earmuffs, Doug. Um, uh, we had, we had uh, breakfast or lunch this last week, and I said, Doug, I know that you have um, had opportunities to go to much larger churches and to be the pastor there, one in Minnesota and some others. And I said, why are you still at Hope? I mean, most people would have run away screaming after this last year, quite honestly. I, I've been a covenant pastor for 40 years, and I've never been through a year like Doug's been through here. And uh, so I said, why, Hope? He said, well, I, the Lord has affirmed in my heart that I am a shepherd. And he said, and I love these sheep. I love these sheep. And uh, you need to understand what that's like uh, to love a people 
like I have loved you and like Doug loves you. Um, it's remarkable. And um, few pastors have been through the kind of year that Doug has and come out with grace and dignity and strength and faith in the church, the local church, and faith in you. So bless you, Doug, for that and uh, praying for you. Okay, you've never been through a three-part introduction. You just experienced that. So. <laughs> so we're going to turn to the Word now. And if you have your Bibles, your tablets, your phones, your scrolls, papyrus, whatever you have, pick it up, open it up, turn it on to 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's where we'll be living for the next few moments. Um, I really prayed about what to preach, uh, and I, I, the Lord just impressed on me that this passage is something that Paul was going through. It's very similar to what Hope Covenant Church has gone through in the last two years, and I just wanted to share this message with you. So uh, as we begin, uh, I would just like to pray for the message, and um, if it's comfortable for you, I would invite you to just kind of extend your hands like this. It's kind of a, a show of receptivity to the word. And uh, then we'll just pray, Father, um, it's our opportunity now to open your precious word. And we pray, the Lord, as uh, this word is open, that uh, you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to the truth that you have for us. Father, I, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what they've been through and for uh, what's ahead of them, great things ahead of them by your spirit. And so now, Lord, as we, uh, I pray that the spirit would move in this room in a powerful way, that the Word of God would be anointing to each and every person. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin uh, with just one verse. And it's kind of a contextual verse for all of Second Timothy, really. But it's, it's this verse, and then a little bit later we'll go through uh, the first eight verses of Second Timothy chapter 1. Uh, or chapter 2. But first, let me read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, it's similar to the NIV, but uh, it might be different in a few of the words. So here's uh, 2 Timothy 1, 14. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives, say it with me, within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Now this is, this is very, very personal. It's, it's almost intimate the way that Paul writes these words. This message given from Paul to his young protege, Timothy, a pastor of a church, and by extension to you and to me, this truth, that we, this precious truth that we're, has been entrusted to us is the gospel. It's the good news. It's that Christ Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, raised on the third day, seen by Peter and the women, the 12, 500 followers, and sits at the right hand of the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, 2 through 8. That is the gospel, the good news. And what's amazing about the gospel is that it's more than just the words. It's more than just the, even the act of what Jesus did. But it's that this gospel can be in you. This gospel can be in you. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians, he said, the gospel's a mystery. And he said, there's two parts to that mystery. In Colossians 1.27, he said, Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? So this precious truth 
is not only this amazing truth about how Jesus died for your sins and he was raised on the third day, sits at the right hand of the Father, he left the Holy Spirit with us, he said, this amazing news, but that, that gospel can be in you through Jesus. And he also said that it's a mystery because not only is it a mystery because it lives in you, but it's also a mystery because uh, it's available to everyone. Because there's a lot of uh, decisions about, okay, this new gospel, this new thing, the Jews were saying, what about Judaism? What about our faith? And so there's a lot of confusion. Does this replace Judaism? Is it in addition to Judaism? So there's a lot of this. And, and Paul made it clear that um, the mystery was because now this gospel <laughs> is given not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles and to the pagans and anybody else that'll listen. This Gospel, this good news that's in you is also available to every single human being on this planet. It's the gospel, and it's in you. In Philippians 3.8, it says, nothing compares to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus the Lord. Nothing compares to that. All of the great things that you experience, all the wonderful things that you see in our world, nothing compares to the infinite greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's what this gospel is. That's what this precious truth is. That's what this thing is that's in us that we are told to guard. Now, let's talk about Paul. What's going on in Paul's world at this writing? Well, he wrote, this is the last, by the way, this is the last letter that he wrote before he died. He died probably in 68 uh, AD. This was written in 67 or 68 AD from an Ephesus prison. Uh, second, second, first and Second Timothy were written from there. And Paul knew, and he says it later in uh, 2 Timothy, Paul knew that uh, my time of death is near, my life has been poured out, chapter 4, verses 6 and, six and 7. My time of death is near, my life has been poured out. Paul says, I, I've given everything I have, 100%. I've, I poured it out. <laughs> I poured out my life. I've done everything I possibly, he knew that his time was soon to be over. So not only was that going on in his mind and his heart, I've got to get this word, this, this word to Timothy because this is needed in our world. This is needed in our churches that we've been planting. This is needed. And so he knew that it was really kind of a desperate feeling to get this truth out there. Not only that, what's going on in the world around 64 AD, you know the deal. Nero, uh, Nero uh, uh, blamed the Christians for burning Rome and they were persecuting the Christians by the thousands after that Nero circus, killing off Christians. All of these terrible, awful things are happening into the mid to latter part of the sixth decade AD. All of that's going on. And there's this constant persecution. There's this, this drumbeat of pain and loss. I mean, you can just almost feel it, this drumbeat of pain and loss in that first century. Now, let's just pause there for a moment and consider Hope Covenant Church. There has been this drumbeat of pain and loss over the last two and a half years. I mean, staff that has left, some for good reasons, like Pastor Ryan, others under very difficult circumstances. A pastor who was called here that was beloved by his church and he loved his church that died of cancer at age 51. Other staff losses, financial setbacks, all of the, this drumbeat of pain and loss. So you need to hear this. This word that we're going to read in just a moment is for you. This is the truth that God has given to Hope Covenant Church. Yes, it, he gave it to Paul in the sixth decade AD, but this 
truth is for you. And I'd like to read that for you now. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. This is the way it goes. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Remember, bullets are flying, all kinds of pain and persecution. Christians are being killed by the dozens almost daily. Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. I mean, that's right. That's the essence of discipleship right there, right? Verse 3. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Then verse 8. Always remember that Christ Jesus, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. There's that gospel again. And it is the good news that I preach. With violent times around him, facing all kinds of troubles in the churches. I mean, there were distorted values. I mean, this idea of Christianity. Remember a few years ago, some of you that were here, I I preached a series called uh, Christ plus anything equals nothing. Or another way to say, you can say that, that, that formula is Christ plus nothing equals everything. Well, they were having troubles discerning whether or not um, we're supposed to add Christianity to Judaism? Are we supposed to separate it? What about these other religions that are coming in all around and pressing in? So there was this distorted values. There were misleading commitments. Confused thinking. Is Judaism still a thing? Dangerous misconceptions. Gnosticism was pushing its way in. And in the midst of all this, Paul says very clearly, guard this precious truth. You've got to keep it close to your heart. And when you share this truth, you share the precious truth. Not all the surrounding things about it, but you prayer, you share this precious truth that Jesus died for your sins. He came into this world. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And he came to love and to redeem and offer grace to every single person on this planet. Guard that precious truth. Now, how do you do that? Paul gives in the text five ways to guard this precious truth. The first one is simply be strong. Be strong. Now, since I retired, I made a commitment to share into the Lord that I was going to exercise every day, take Sundays off, day of rest, and it's also football. And uh, <laughs> so, but he takes Sundays off. And uh, so I've been at Mountainside Fitness uh, um, right over here every day that we're in town. And so I've, I've enjoyed that. It's been good for me, good for my health. Uh, when I was here at Hope, I always wanted to, but I never did because the sheep took so much of my time. And, uh, you know, oh, sorry about that. Did I say that out loud, Doug? I did, yeah, okay. Uh, so anyway, so I go to the gym and I work out and there's just one machine, it's the curling machine. And you curl, you know, and, and, uh, so, and I've been getting some big weight. So 110 pounds, I'm curling Two sets of 12 twice during my workout. Okay, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And, and so I noticed this guy coming over. He's one of these guys that 
yeah, everybody stares at, you know. His, his biceps are like 23 inches around, and I'm thinking, oh, man. And he's going over to the machine I was just on. I said, oh, man, this is going to be embarrassing. And so he goes there, and he didn't change the weight setting. I thought, man, I must be strong. You know? <laughs> I must be strong. Well, then I realized he was doing one arm at a time. Brandon, so, you know, so, you know, so. But it, this text, when it says be strong, it doesn't mean this kind of physical strength. It means really to stand erect. Stand tall. Be strong. Firm foundation in the midst of all of these things that are going on in the world, Paul. In the midst of all of these things going on in the world around you, Hope Covenant Church. Be firm. Stand tall. The word specifically means keep on being empowered by the grace of Jesus. <laughs> That's what it means. Continue to keep on being empowered by the grace of Jesus. It's not the power of your own strength. It's not the power of your intellect. It's not the power of your education. Keep on being empowered by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was discouraged. You can expect that. Demas deserted him. Alexander did some shenanigans. We don't know what he did. People disappointed him. They deserted him. The pressures mounted and mounted, and he didn't quite know what to do. But in the midst of that, he said, keep on being empowered by the grace of Jesus. It's the first thing I'd say to Hope Covenant Church. You know what? It's okay. There's, there's, there's a time to grieve. There's a time to sense loss. But you know what? There's a time to just keep on being empowered by the grace of Jesus. I'm not talking about your own strength. I'm talking about your own will. But keep on being empowered by the grace of Jesus. Paul knew he was weak. He said, I'm the, most, I'm the greatest sinner of all. Uh, he knew that Timothy was flawed. We know that. And in our weakness, uh, some people are simply willing to just give up. Say, well, it's just not worth it. It's been too hard. I just can't do it anymore. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, how can God forgive me for the sin that I've committed for the 100th time? I, and you feel all of these things about your brokenness and personally and your brokenness as a church. And you say, oh, man, I just feel like giving up. Well, some of you have heard this, but my, one of my favorite books of all time is The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. And one of the quotes, you've heard it before if you've been in this church for a long time, one of my favorite quotes is this. Watchman Nee says, how, you know what I'm going to say, Dare you, right, presume that the grace of Jesus is not enough? How dare you presume that the grace of Jesus is not enough to cover your sins? How dare you presume that the grace of Jesus is not enough to lift this church up to become what God wants it to be, to make an impact on this community where people are coming to Christ on a weekly best basis? How dare you not believe that? That's what it means to be empowered by the grace of Jesus. Power to go on, power to persevere, power to be strong in spite of the circumstances. Be strong is the first thing that Paul says. The second thing he says about holding on to this precious truth is teach these things to others. Right, Jim Selland? Now, there's a discipleship man. Teach these truths to others. More correctly, commit them or deposit them in others. This is always the battle plan of the gospel. It's never changed. We're supposed to make disciples and pass on the gospel through the disciples, this precious treasure, this precious truth, pass that on to the, the gospel to the world so that they may come to know Jesus. I mentioned earlier um, 
one of the DNA things about this church is that we've always had these associate pastors that have gone on then to be lead pastors in other covenant churches, five of them, starting with Brad Kindle way back. Uh, the only one that's not in serving ministry right now is Brandon, and he will shortly. Five of them from this church. And I think of how many people have gone, moved away from this area or gone away from this church and have taken this, this gospel, this precious truth in, to some other location, to some other church, to some other place and passed it on. Now that's one thing. But he, he, hear this. Paul was saying this to a young man. And he was telling Timothy to pass that on to other young people. A little while ago, you saw your kids go this way and your teenagers go this way, I think that's what they still do. And um, those children need this precious truth in them. Say, well, we're struggling right now. We don't really have a youth pastor, although we've got Mikey and, and Kim and, and some others that are helping. And we're really, we're, uh, right now, Heidi's having to fill in as, as children's director and, and, and it's kind of tough. And listen, those of you who are fully devoted followers of Christ, those of you who are disciples, stop waiting around for someone to come in and help. Just help. Just say, okay, uh, you know, Mikey, tell me, tell me a teenager that wants a woman to come alongside a girl and just love on her and fill her with this truth and help her to hold on to this precious truth because we're losing our kids. We're losing them when they go to college. We know that, you know, and we got to fix that. But the way we do that, the sticky faith idea, is for adults in the church to start ministering to your children and your youth. Stop making excuses that somebody else is going to do it. You do it. You just do it, okay? We are to teach others these truths. We are to commit, we are to deposit this precious truth into the lives of our children. I know this is Doug's heart. We've talked about this. Teach, commit, deposit. The next way to guard the truth is to endure suffering. And some of you say, can we pass that one? You know, let's just, you know, move past verses three to six, right? No, no, we can't. <laughs> you know, you say, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, here Paul uses three metaphors to help you uh, go through endure suffering. The first one is that of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Okay, so this idea of, Paul uses kind of a military uh, metaphor often in his letters, and here's one, he, he's a, be a good soldier. Now, my father uh, fought in World War II in the Navy. Uh, my son uh, joined the Army after 9-11. So there's a, a lot of military history in my family. I have a great respect for those who make that kind of a sacrifice, and that's something wonderful. But um, there's something about someone who makes that commitment to serve their country, to stand beside that other guy in the, in the foxhole, to do whatever he can to defend that other person, to defend their values, to defend their country. There's, there's something about that kind of undivided heart, that commitment, that undistorted commitment and vision that I love about the military. Uh, there's a book that Sherry and I are reading. It's called Extreme Ownership. Anybody seen that book? Extreme Ownership. Okay, get it. It's not a Christian book, but it's a powerful book, and it has all kinds of, of biblical insights. The authors didn't know it. Written by two former Navy SEALs, Jocko Willinks, Willink and Leif Babin, and it's about basically two things, extreme ownership. It's about taking ownership of your own life. My sin is my sin. Nobody made me do it. Nobody pushed me into it. My sin is my sin. 
My life is my life. My decision is my decision. My response to something else is my responsibility. Okay, all of that really matters. And the other thing these two guys say is you do it with humility. Now, you wouldn't think Navy SEALs would talk like that. So you do it with humility. The, the book is Extreme Ownership. I really encourage you to take a look at it. But there's something about this single-minded loyalty that I really love, that I'm really drawn into. And he says in the text, don't get tied up into the affairs of life. Now, that's not mean, that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be a good citizen. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to vote, uh, be involved in some level in politics. You know, those things are all good. Those are little kingdom stuff, right? You know, little kingdom is the kingdom of man. Big kingdom is the kingdom of God. Little kingdom stuff, it's okay. But don't make that your focus. Don't make that your everything. So I was in, um, at Genesis Church in November of 2016 when the election was going on. Everybody's talking about uh, Trump, Hillary, what are we going to do? All the Trumpites said Hillary's terrible. All the Hillary people said Trump's terrible. You know, they're probably both right. Who knows, you know. And, and they're back and forth, and everybody's mad and angry. And, and so I could hear out in the, in the, in the narthex, they have a big narthex there, uh, and, uh, and people talking, and some getting angry and kind of upset and everything. So I, I, need, I need to say something. Two reasons. One, because it's the truth. And secondly, because they can't fire me because I'm a transition pastor. So, <laughs> so here's what I said. Hey, listen, when you're having these conversations around politics, remember two things. First of all, Jesus is right next to you. Amen. Everything you say, everything, however you respond, Jesus is standing right there. And the second thing is this. Would you please save your greatest passion for Jesus? Come on. It's politics. Save your greatest passion passion for Jesus. That's what Paul was saying. Don't get tied up in the affairs of life because the gospel deserves and requires single-minded devotion, undivided attention in spite of the risk for suffering. That's what he says. They said, there's, there's another way or another analogy or metaphor, excuse me, uh, that is that of the athlete. So you can't win the prize without following the rules. You've, you've got to figure out how this game is played, and then you give yourself to it 100%. That's what Paul was saying. This precious thing that's the gospel, that's in you, Jesus in you, the hope of glory, this amazing thing, you give yourself that 100%. So I was uh, playing in, a, Cheryl, Cheryl remember this way back, playing in a racquetball tournament in Jamestown, New York. And uh, I dove, I was playing racquetball. Some of you don't even know what racquetball is, but that was a big sport in the 70s and 80s. And I, I dove for the ball to the right to hit the ball, and I slid right into the wall. These are concrete walls. And my head's hard, but it's not that hard. And it put a cut right on my head. I used to have hair there then, but it still didn't, you know. It put a cut right there. And so there was a doctor that was there, and he looked at it. Yeah, you'll need probably a couple stitches. <clears throat> so I said, doctor, can you just, you know, put a Band-Aid or something on it so I can continue the match? And he said, you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. And so I put a Band-Aid on it, which was okay, but it didn't really cover up a lot of the blood. So I'm out there, and I'm one of those guys that sweats like a pig. I don't know where they got the proverb, sweat like, I don't know that pigs really sweat that much. All I know is I do. And so this combination of sweat and blood, and I'm running around, and there's stuff flying all over the walls, and blood and sweat and everything. And some guy sitting next to Sherry said, man, that guy's playing for keeps. She said, yeah, it's my husband. But it's about giving 100%. I'll tell you why 100% matters. 
I'm going to give 99.9% of myself to Jesus, okay, to the gospel, to this precious truth. Let me tell you what 99.9% will get you. If you're in Coca-Cola, it'll get you 5.5 million cases of, of Coca-Cola that, have no, that has no fizz or it's just completely flat. That's what 99.9% will get you. 5.5 million cases. How about if you're in the pharmaceutical industry? 99.9% will get you 20,000 wrong prescriptions. IRS, 99.9% will give you 2 million incorrect documents. You say, I've already got one of those, right? <laughs> if you're in the hospital, 99.9% will give you 12 newborn babies given to the wrong parents and 291 faulty pacemakers. 99.9%, Paul says, will not get it done. Paul says complete devotion, complete conviction to the gospel. The third metaphor he uses is that of a farmer, the diligence of farmers. We enjoy the fruit of their labors every day. I saw a bumper sticker not long ago that said, if you eat, you're involved in farming, right? <laughs> the 4 a.m. milking, the long days, the hard work. Paul says the gospel deserves our absolute diligence to guard the precious truth of the gospel. In spite of hardships, Paul, in spite of hardships, Hope Covenant Church, single-minded devotion, undivided heart, absolute surrender to the gospel. Here's another way to guard the precious truth. Paul says, consider what I say. You say, that sounds kind of weird. Consider what I say. Well, it means basically to think about these things. Think about these things that we've been talking about, Paul would say. G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton said, in all things, think of God. Think magnificently of God. I love that quote. The Greek word for think is muse, M-U-S-E. Okay, you know that. The negative is amuse. That's why you don't want your kids playing video games all day. They're not thinking, they're amusing themselves. The purpose of amusement is to keep you from thinking. Paul says you need to think magnificently of God. In another letter, Paul said it this way. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think magnificently of God. And there's one last thing that Paul says that we should do to guard the truth. And that is simply to remember. Remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. That he was raised on the third day. That he's resurrected, risen to the right hand of the Father. Remember that it is by his death and life that you are redeemed that you are saved. I believe that one of the most impactful spiritual disciplines that is largely forgotten is simply to remember. Remember when I parted the Red Sea, God would say, because the Israelites had forgotten already, right? Remember when you were thirsty and I gave you water from a rock. Remember when you were hungry and I gave you manna. Remember when you were tired of manna and I gave you quail. Remember what God has done in the past. But Pastor, I, I feel so alone. Remember, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I'm so afraid. 
Remember that perfect love casts out fear. But I feel so hopeless. David said in Psalm 37, 25, I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. But my kids are so lost and far away. Remember, Jesus said, I am not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I will never let your children go. But Lord, I, 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 my life is so out of control, I, I don't even know what to do. Remember, Jesus said in John 5, 17, my, listen, my father is always working, and so am I. Always. Remember what I have done and what I desire to do in the future. But pastor, our church is wounded and broken. We feel that drumbeat of pain and loss. Would you actually know who you are? You're the bride of Christ. You're the body of Christ. You're the church of Jesus Christ. You are the local church, which is the hope of the world. That's who you are. Sometimes we forget who we are in Christ. So I want to read you as we close just this one passage from Ephesians chapter 1. I, I didn't put it up on the screen. I just wanted you to hear these words and allow these words to wash over you. And remember, those of you who are carrying the gospel, this precious truth, this is what Paul is saying of you. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Listen, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, Hope Covenant Church, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave Jesus great pleasure to bring you together as the body of Christ. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom and the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That's what he did for you. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now, listen, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure at Hope Covenant Church. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we're united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work according to his plan. He chose you to be in this place at this time for his glory. Be in that glory. Be that carrier of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be the one who holds that precious truth and carries that into the world. Because you are called to be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. You are called to teach or deposit the gospel to others, especially your children. You are called to endure suffering like a soldier's single-minded devotion, an athlete's 100% dedication, a farmer's diligence. You are called to consider or muse on these things, and you are called to remember, remember, remember what God has done in the past because he has great things for you in the future. Great things for you 
and the future. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we have no idea what you have in mind for this church. But we do know this, that you have promised in Jeremiah and in Revelation and everything in between, you've promised that you're going to make all things new, including Hope Covenant Church, all things new. And you have promised, Father, in John 5, 17, that Jesus said, my Father is always working, and so am I. And right now, even in things we don't see or don't understand, the Father and Jesus are working on your behalf because you are the church of Jesus Christ. You are that body of people for whom Jesus died. You have been anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work in this world of carrying this precious truth to others. That is your call. That is who you are. You are Christ's church. Thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you for this church. And we pray, Lord, that your outpouring and your anointing would be upon every person in this room. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people together said, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.